to do a show together. <laughs> a random baseline. From I'm a, a very big <laughs> Jethro Tull fan. Thick so. as a brick, uh, Skating Away. Yeah. Oh, such a great song, Skating Away. It is. It's got that. He's got a lot of, uh, they've got a lot of good acoustic stuff that uh, flew under the radar. He, he's a great example of you don't need a good voice to write great songs no. and, uh, you know. His catalog, though, wildly... Um, <laughs> it's like Prince. There's a lot of crap. Yeah. It's a lot of crap, but the, the stuff that's good is, is the exceptionally best. good. Right. Um, I'm just going to make a lot of noise here. It's okay. We're and, only a minute into it already. And we're back. Okay. Now we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And today, today on RMA, RMA, dry January ends. Steve Ducey <laughs> of Fox and Friends can't wait to drink, but his co-host tried to get him to drink today since it's, quote, Friday. But Steve sticks to his guns and will wait until tomorrow to get drunk on Genesee Light hiding in his kid's treehouse and... We wrap up our This Naked Mind series, recovering the news and more. Don't touch that dial. Okay. couple things about that introduction. Yeah. One, uh, I don't know who Steve Ducey is, <laughs> nor do I particularly care, but um, Steve sounds like he has a drinking problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he's got his Jenny Screamers hiding in the kid's uh, treehouse for dry January, he's over. Yeah, he was clenching his teeth. He's like... Dry January is almost over, <laughs> and I can't wait to drink again, you know? And he's got that look on his face as somebody who just had to do 30 days dry to, like, you know, stay prove, out of jail. To prove to himself that yeah. he doesn't have a problem. <laughs> right, to prove that he, yeah. And this other woman, this is Fox and Friends. Now, let me just say that as a person who was down the line on all of my views, I'm like the Switzerland here on the air. So I watch all kinds of news. I don't just watch one channel. I flip back from Fox. I go to MSNBC, I go to CNN, wow. I watch local news, I read the New York Times, sometimes I check the alternative quote-unquote media, um, not usually the Drudge Report, but I do check that That's sometimes. Right. You think the Drudge Report is alternative media these days? My friend, you have not yeah, experienced yeah. You're the glories and, of Newsmax yes. and OAM I've yet. seen all of that, I, I've just <laughs> been avoiding it like the plague, but maybe I'll... I mean, I don't listen to like Alex Jones or anything, but I think he's been roundly and removed. That's, 25% of our listeners gone. Sorry. Maybe <laughs> edit that one out. Um, but basically, it's because I'm searching for truth, and I feel like you've got to look on the right, the left, up, if, down right. to get and something There's one close. place you know you're going to find truth. It's Fox News. So Steve, <laughs> Steve Ducey, uh, I guess, is a Fox News host who likes yeah. to drink Genesee beer, I, that which was is fine. My, I, mean, I was I, just, you know. you know, kind of making a an unfair characterization of the way he probably <laughs> drinks, which is hiding in his kid's treehouse, oh, sucking down warm Genesee light. That. No. Can you imagine? I thought, oh, this guy's from upstate New York, so he's got the Jenny Screamers hiding in the treehouse. This is just what I imagined. Okay. This okay. Um, I mean, he may, he may he may like single malt scotch for all you know. So his co-host, instead of being supportive and being like, yeah, you can do it, Steve. You can make it to the end of January. She's like, what are you kidding? She's like, it's Friday. She's literally like incredible. She's like, just drink today. He's like, no, I am going to stick with this. And she's like, uh. Okay. He's gonna, so he's got to get through the weekend, right? Because it's only the 29th as yeah, we record so this. Way off, because that was yeah. a live show this morning. So, and he's like, tomorrow. So he can get drunk on Monday. Right, Monday. There, nothing, you know, 
it, it drives home the point of a drinking problem should other we, than waiting until Monday to get shit-faced. Should right? we sell a t- send a telegram to his wife letting her know that he was planning on drinking tomorrow? Or how about a carrier pigeon? <laughs> a carrier pigeon. <laughs> I was thinking telegram. telegram. How you, <laughs> um, Steve, stop. <laughs> Drink the Jennies in the treehouse. Stop. Do you have to write stop if you're trying to say stop? I, I, I don't know how that Steve, works. Stop, I stop. haven't sent a telegram ever <laughs> since the 80s. 1880s. <laughs> uh, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. YouTube, um, yeah. Yeah, which is I cool. tried to figure out how to do that. I, I, yeah, we just sort of auto-post Let me it ask there, you this, though. If people listen to us on YouTube, do we get credit for that? Like in the podcast download uh, thing? Credit. No. Oh. No, we don't. Don't listen on YouTube. Actually, that, that might be wrong. I'll have to look into that because it's synced up through Podbean. But in oh, any case. So then maybe. Right? Oh. Yeah, it could be. But Apple Podcasts, we re- really need some new reviews, guys. Uh, we got up to like 28 and then it kind of slowed down. So, yep. Like us. Uh, Get up. Yeah. Um, and don't forget our homepage away from home, middleagesrecovery.com, where mm-hmm. you can tell your story for an upcoming segment on the show. Join our private Facebook group, which I feel like we've been neglecting, uh, where we discuss a private uh, in a private setting, you know, so you don't have to worry about your boss right. googling pro- your name. Right. And- the problem is that we got the Facebook page and then we got the Facebook group. Right. So the Facebook page has like seven thousand people involved, something like that. Yeah. And then the group has what a couple a few hundred, couple hundred. Although they are our most ardent supporters, well, and that, glorious tribe of and, renegades, and, and that's the outlaws. strategy. We want to identify people who actually listen like the show and want to participate because you don't want people posting like the personal stuff on the Facebook page thinking it's the Facebook group. And then all of their friends being like, I didn't know you, you know, sucked off people in an alley for crack. It, <laughs> like that didn't come up in your interview. That didn't, that was not on your interview. Hmm. You know, uh, um, well, so, so, so make sure you in the right one. And if you're not in the Facebook groups, uh, just shoot us a message. Yeah. Shoot us a message. We are them. available. I typically post memes, the same meme in both because I don't know who reads what because right. Facebook sucks. I can't figure out, yeah, you can't you can't post enough though. I no, think posting, yeah. I mean, to a point, right? Yeah. Um, the March update. Uh, sorry, I know that's on me. I, the week got away from me. I never ordered shirts to send to Jeff, and we have nothing. But I got one person <laughs> requesting I something, saw yes. which is awesome. And I forgot about that until right right this second. So we're, get, we're on it. Ugh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. This has been tricky. <laughs> but since you haven't sent us any money yet, don't worry about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's a, you know, I didn't give him. To be fair, I haven't given anybody a way to give me money. But it's very easy to send us money. P. You can always put a check in the mail. Always, always. Um, Since you're, you're all old farts, you, you know how to do that. So Ask Sergeant Slaughter, our Addict Ass Cop segment, I have gotten zero questions. Really? Me, but I haven't really been pursuing it too hard. So I'm going to reach out a little bit more um, aggressively to find a couple of questions for Sergeant Slaughter. Put it on who the is Facebook waiting? Page. Who is waiting for us to deliver some ridiculous copyrighted attic questions. Yeah. Um, tell us what happened to this naked mind appearance that you were supposed to have on the 28th. Yeah. So, um, I only scheduled it two months ago and, um, <laughs> last week my boss drops a meeting, uh, at the exact time. Cause first I thought it was a different time. And then I realized Annie Grace is in the Midwest. So there was a time change. So I thought I could do both, but I couldn't. So I, uh, emailed them to reschedule. I'm sure they thought I was just trying to blow them off or, you know, I got nervous about my appearance, neither of which was true. Uh, And they're like, oh, you know, thanks for letting us know. We're not scheduling right now, but we'll get back in touch with you 
in March. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So that was that. But we will get on there, and she will appreciate all of us. She will appreciate free us. press. I sent her a, a link to our episode about, uh, about her. Nice. Well, almost all of them have been about her, honestly. In fact, she responded, too. She said... Um, Everything is about Annie Grace, thanks. frankly, on this show. Yeah. We love her. Yeah. So, uh, and in that spirit, we are going to finish out, hopefully, it won't be the last time the we talk about this naked mind, obviously, but we really wanted to get to the step process this week that she sets forth, uh, sort of the the practical method goes mm. along with all of her fancy words. Right. Lots of fancy words. Uh, I don't know. How was your uh, week? Did your kids get... Um, Baptized and confirmed and well, just the baptized. They we did it on Saturday. It yeah. was pretty funny. The, I collected a bunch of relatives from here and there. To were stand they all very confused? They were like, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. They they're kind of like, sure, we'll come. And so they we'll we see all you showed week up for and, the bris. You know, we're gonna go all over. <laughs> just and then after that, we'll become Buddhists. Uh, yeah. So the uh, father, the father, I can't call him by his name. God. All right, Father Tom. Fuck <laughs> oh, like you know, they, oh, nobody the, knows her. No, not that father. Not that the other father. father. Not your heavenly father. He uh, he was amused by the whole thing. I think. Oh yeah. He uh, he was kind of joking during the the ceremony, and you know, he took me into the back room. Um, oh. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this those too too easy to make those jokes and uh, to go over the certificates because you know my, my wife and I are both. Well, I was a widower and she was a widow. And so there was what name you put down, who's oh, doing right. what, and what last names. And then the old, were you married in a church question? And I'm like, well, that's a long story. So <laughs> it took like 20 minutes to sort out the paperwork. But yes, at the end of the day, everybody received uh, entrance into the, into the church. Do you feel like somehow your family has been legitimized by this blessing from a church body um, or is this just for you strictly practical <laughs> my, you just need to get your kids into the schools they want to go except for dimitri right who you said is just doing this for i don't know political reasons get back know. at you i don't know <laughs> yeah I have, no, I have no idea why he decided to do it because now he doesn't want to do the religious education part no of course he's not. like oh nobody told me i had to go to class for years i'm like I'm like, dude, you know, and then he was telling me the Pope was the Antichrist. And I said, you know what? You really need to learn a little bit more about the religion yeah. you just joined because the, we don't consider the Pope to be the Antichrist. Um, he At was getting <laughs> Catholicism elsewhere. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, do I feel like my family is now legitimate? Yes, I don't know. I thought we were legitimate? pretty legit before. Um, but I, I don't I know. I just mean in the eyes of God and God fearing people yeah, now. Sure. Whatever. It's, you're, you know, you're less, you know, I had local politicians, uh, uh, giving me the thumbs up on my Facebook posting. Well, uh, so I guess, you know, we're not heathens anymore. No. Well, I didn't feel particularly heathen before. Well, but look, whatever. I look forward to being seated next to you behind the pearly gates someday where we all kind of laugh about all of this. In the Protestant <laughs> section or yes. the Catholic section. Um, no, they let you talk to Catholics in heaven like twice a week, I think. Yeah. You know. Confucius say, man who fart in church sits sit in own pew. Own pew. <laughs> I've, I, if I've told that before, I apologize because nobody should ever tell that joke. So a guy walks up to a hot, a uh, Buddhist walks up to a hot dog stand and says, make, make me, me one with everything. everything. Right. And then he gives the guy $20. The guy gives him the hot dog and he looks at him and the guy looks at the guy who sold him the hot dog and says, Hey man, where's my change? And then the hot dog vendor says, change must come from within. <sighs> okay. Taking his show on the road. <laughs> um, so in my life... Um, cause I haven't talked enough. Yeah. Today. What about your life? What about me? <laughs> what, about <laughs> no, what about me, Mike? Um, my son had a sleepover 
And I'm beginning to realize that I'm suffering from a codependent relationship. The sleepover was at your house or no. someone else's house? I got home on Saturday from work and uh, I was like, where's Noah? Oh, he went to his friend's house for a sleepover. And I'm mm. like, but I didn't even see him. And did he bring his watch? So, he, you know, I, I have a, he has an Apple watch so I can walkie talkie him and talk right, to him and stuff. Right, and, right. And then I'm like, but what, what, uh, what am I going to do? She's like, he's fine. He's having fun. And I'm like, all right. You know, I, and I had to really examine, you know, cause I, I've been so wrapped up putting him to bed his whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's the son that I, you know, first kid, um, he, uh, I was very lax as a parent when I was active. Um, I, I just turned into the lax parent, which could be just as dangerous as, um, anything else. Like I wasn't fully present. Right. And because of that, um, I think I just didn't care. Like I was fighting with my wife. So I preferred to sleep in my son's bed because mm -hmm. we got along just fine. Yeah. Right. You know, so I would hide in his room basically. Mm -hmm. I'd put him like, oh, he needs me to sleep with him. But what that did is now he's got, you know, a right. serious problem with me not, and he's 10 years old. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. And, but, and I thought it was like, you're like a very big stuffed animal that he can't seem to, he describes down. me that way. Does he really? Yes. Wow. Cause I want, cause he was like eight or nine and I'm like, listen, man, like I got to get back to my marriage here at some point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like well, maybe you can replace yourself with like a large giraffe stuffed giraffe or something. I could get him a male real doll. Really, mm. yeah, you remember no, those? Yeah, Howard Stern? <laughs> yeah. I don't think you want to do that. Is this a real doll? I'd like an anatomically correct if you're father looking to uh, resolve any issues he has about like, <laughs> codependency and parents in the bedroom. Maybe getting him a sex doll is not the answer. <laughs> it's just a Which thought. Is, just a <laughs> so, so this is something that um, I've been waiting to deal with. You know, I was waiting. How long do I have to be sober before I can start really fixing my marriage? And, um, you know, because getting past the point of hating each other is one thing. <laughs> and that's great. And it's a good first step. Second part is, you know, contributing in the household like I have never done before, you know, to start doing my living amends, you know, because I've mm. said sorry enough times. So we call it a living amends where you just do the right thing every day f towards the person who you've harmed, right? right? In this case, I would consider my family harmed, right? So I'm definitely been overcompensating. And I think a lot of recovered addicts, especially, actually, I think all of them, but when you're our age and you've got a family, like they're your first like shit, like if they're still in your life at all, mm -hmm. almost the first thing I would hear from recovered addicts or recovering addicts who just got started at rehabs and rooms is they're always, they're one of the first things they talk about that they lost would be their children and how they have it. And I heard some of the saddest stories, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so anybody who finally gets a clear head sitting in recovery and realizing like, oh my God, you know, um, if they have an opportunity or a line of communication open to family, most of the time, that's the first thing we want to repair. Right. You know, so, so I feel what are you like, doing like following your wife around? Like, can I, can I open that door for you? Kind you of. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I am. And, um, but not, not that bad, but I, I'm trying to really like do the right. I'm always doing dishes and I'm happy to do it. And it's making me feel better because I'm, Keeping right. things going. The tension, of course, is that they the, your partner gets used to doing all that stuff, and then all of a sudden you're like in that space, right? Right. Yeah, and that's you know tension. And so it's definitely more 
equal now the amount of work that's going on because mm. I can now drive. This was another thing. That, so blah, blah, blah. That's a whole episode by itself. Bottom line is, so putting my son in that position of I'm trying to make up for this. So now I'm trying to be, you know, in the past, we'll say it's been going on for three years where I've been, you know, more present and here and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, you know, it's taking him a while to like, Hey, what's what happened to dad? Like all of a sudden he's like an actual father, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, Instead well. of just like passing through and, yeah. you know, trying to get him out of trouble, you know, which I still try and do, but yeah. you know, it's the, the lawyer in me, I guess. I'm, ha- I'm having sort of the weirdly opposite experience with my older son who, you know, has been, we, you know, we haven't really spoke in the last few years. <laughs> yeah. Combination, mostly it's his issues, you know, coming into adolescence and stuff. And uh, Aaron and I just not really sure how to handle it. But lately he's been like, you know, I really, I'm like his best friend now because I like talk to him about stuff that his friends wouldn't talk about, like politics. Right. And, they kids don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and lately he's like gotten into this whole, into the stock market. Cause I gave him like a couple, I salted an account for him and said, you pick a bunch of stocks and then we'll talk about it. And he got really into it. And then with this whole business with Reddit the last few mm-hmm. days, like he's totally on board with sticking it to the hedge fund managers, which is making some strange like bedfellows mm-hmm. like yesterday, like uh, AOC and Ted Cruz were on the same side of this issue. And right. you know that you don't see that. So it's, it's been very weird because like we've been very close lately, much more so than in the past. And um, right. it's like this, all of a sudden I have this terrible sense of responsibility uh, for his development right now that I maybe didn't have like a year ago when he was, when he had shut us out to the point where like he didn't want us even talking to him at all. Right. So it's like, uh, I'm like, you know, at the same time, I'm trying to work from home and his schedule is such that he's got like free periods in the middle of the day. He comes down, he talks to me and I'm wow. like, I'm pulling my hair out. But <laughs> it's like- so in the one sense, it's great because like we've never talked so much. Like even when he was a little kid, you know, right. he's always very sort of quiet and, you know, in interior life. Yeah. And, and now he's like very sort of out there. And but it's but I also have to be a father and tell him you got to go upstairs and you know, it's great. We can sit here and talk about the GameStop thing all day long, but sure. your mother's going to kill me because it's now like you, you're supposed to log on. You're still, you're still late for all your classes. What you're doing them out of the house and I'm here. So what, it, so your mother comes home and it's like, he was late for four classes. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Meanwhile with Ben, like this morning, like I, I, for, like I'm, I'm so like wrapped up with like Dimitri, like Ben this morning, uh, I missed taking him to band and it was pajama day and I didn't get his pajamas on. So oh. he, I'm like, you know, yeah, so I'm doing good with this one. It's like whack-a-mole. I'm doing yep. good with this kid, but I'm leaving. The other one is now fending for himself essentially. So yeah. I don't know. Fucking parenting. It's yeah. not for the faint of heart. I feel like there's no parent out there that has it easy or really like very few like, and, and the, and the kids you think are super easy when you talk to their parents, it's just kids are kids. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. And, um, and it's just, man, this is this is life, though, guys. And um, <laughs> when you can't uh, drink to forget and move on, you learn to deal with it and make the best of it. Yeah, this business with Dimitri, the pandemic, everything, like, it would have been a much, it would have been a hundred times harder if I was drinking. And I never would have, like, had the, yeah. had the oh, yeah. ability to look at it from above because I would have been so wrapped up in my own stuff right. also, yeah. you know? You know, and that's true... Absolutely. I'm experiencing that myself. I'm like, 
you know, it's been really tough for the past long time now with this, on top of the pandemic, just mm -hmm. the effects it's having on kids and us and, and our business and everything is, is hard, but still I can't imagine doing it like drinking. It was so much worse. Do you know, like I just, <laughs> I, and, and that's a big change in me recovery wise is that like, I no longer, um, think of it as something that will make me feel better. Like I am never thinking, Oh, if I could just have a drink. Right. You know, like when I see it, I almost feel repulsed by it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't yearn for it. And that's, I guess that's what a you craving. Had the you had the magic moment that <laughs> yeah. Annie, Annie Grace yeah. talks about where you, you start to see uh, not drinking as the preferred state. It's the superpower. Yeah. And uh, that leads us into... Do you like that segue? I do. And um, I would like to take just a break right here. Um, I have to just check something on my answering machine. It's a word uh, from our sponsor. And a word from our sponsor. We don't have a sponsor. All right, All right hold on. We're back. So, so we're back. And, and I feel that we should probably tell the listeners, I don't know why I feel this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. You and I both peed right after both of us peeing at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> which was only 21 minutes ago. And I'm not that, drinking Talk water, about middle-aged fucking recovery, man. <laughs> we should do a whole show on, you know, what is that? Your prostate or is that the- oh, uh, Jesus Christ. No, it's the, um, what's the other thing? It's you get prostate and colon. Okay. So this would be a, an enlarged prostate. Yes. So- a so growing problem for other middle-aged men say. out there. Get ready because I think pretty much everybody gets a little more urine-y So later in life, as we discussed, I think every week <laughs> we should take like a pee break and about twenty minutes in to let everybody get right with their with their bladders. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> we should brand it that I'll way. Just play some the middle-aged. Perhaps I played some nice music <laughs> two minutes ago. It's, I don't know. It's a middle-aged bathroom break, and all of our middle-aged fans will be. Uh, Going to the bathroom with us. Normal bladders that we hadn't destroyed by years of drinking. We probably could have made it to the half hour mark, but you think? <laughs> anyway, so um, any grace. Also, I just want to make one correction oh, yes. in last week's episode title. It said, "Does Vivitrol helps meth addiction cravings?" Um, it should have been help. And I. Just, what did it say? It used the word, the plural of the word "help." Does it help instead of singular? Oh. It doesn't make any sense, but I didn't notice it till too late, and I was afraid to edit it. So, um, Annie Grace, this is going to be our final official um, week of discussing it. Uh, we, of course, talk about Annie Grace a lot because we both get a lot out of her book, but this is sort of the more official treatment. I was listening to it a little more this morning before oh, we got into the steps and stuff like that. that you are. Yes. yes. <laughs> and... Um, Getting used to the flavor. Did we talk about, she, she, there's a, a section of the book um, where she starts telling us, you know, she's talking about how we've been brainwashed basically mm -hmm. to think that this is tasty. And she talks about um, getting used to the flavor of alcohol. I, I know this came up a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but I just wanted to, um, to bears repeating because it's in, it's, this is one of those things that really stuck out to me when I first listened to it. Right. Was how true it is like that. Why do you, why should you have to acquire a taste, you know, when your body's natural defense mechanisms in your tongue and your nose, yeah. you have evolved to detect things that are bad for you, which mm -hmm. is what the bad flavor is mm. and, um, and how we just, you know, we can't, we can't 
because of social pressures, just say, no, that's, that's poison. Hey, schmuck. Like, I don't know. Of course not. Instead of feeling bad for turning down a drink, you know, you should be celebrated or at least respected a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you know, for that. Well, uh, nature provides us with these tools which we, with which we can differentiate between poison and something that's good for us. And so instead, we take the poison and we dilute it yeah. and uh, add colors and flavors and sweeteners so that we can overcome our natural defense mechanism and pour the shit right into our stomachs. Right. And then she talks about, look, if I took, you know, cream, a uh, ton of sugar and just, a, you know, a quarter... Uh, gram or something of or of uh, Drano it would probably taste great. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a little bite with the Drano from the yeah. Drano. She, I mean, can, she, can I ask you a yeah. question? You have this great note here. Uh, getting used to the flavors, like getting nose blind to the scent of an Aggie town. What <laughs> the fuck does that mean? You know what an Aggie town is? No. Um, <laughs> Was that supposed to be something else? No. Um, <laughs> so I thought it was funny because. Many people these days don't talk in terms of Aggie towns and Aggie colleges, but like in it, Aggie meaning agricultural. Oh, so if it's like a farming agricultural town, because like it. what, like SUNY Farmingdale yes. is like an Aggie school, right, and, right, right. Okay, and I got so it. she's saying she's in an Aggie town, meaning agricultural. Right. So you smell manure, smell of manure, yes, right. Okay. And she's saying the same way you get. A, you know, used to or acquire the taste of mm-hmm. alcohol is the same way that after living in an Aggie yeah, you don't town, smell it anymore. You don't smell the shit anymore. Got it. Work okay. at a. You know, so yeah, that's kind of a dead metaphor, Aggie Town. Um, and that uh, the other thing we talked about last week was any amount of alcohol is poison. She talks about a few studies, which maybe we can link to if we were more organized, that um, basically- Just buy the book. Yeah, just buy the book, please. <laughs> um, from our Amazon link, thank you. Yeah, please. And um, basically that um, I completely lost my thought. Were you going to talk about the difference between expensive and cheap wine and how most people can't tell the difference? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, and that's that's funny because I remember experiencing that too. And you feel like there's something wrong with you when you buy an expensive wine. You're like, why isn't this taste as good as my $7, you know, Chilean Cabernet? Two buck Chuck. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and that something like 30% of people cannot tell the difference whatsoever. 50% choose the cheaper wine. Like it's a lot of psychological warfare. I, I always felt like I could tell the difference, honestly. I Thought I could, but then once in a while, I, you know, I, everyone has this friend who gets off on bringing cheap wine that you think is expensive. Do you uh-huh. have friends like that? Yeah, sure. So what do you think of the wine? Douche, you're like, douches. It's like pretty, pretty <laughs> good. I think he's like, yeah, you think it's better than the one you just drank? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a little more, you know, and she talks about how we have these ridiculous descriptions for wine and, yeah. and there's rituals that go along with it mm-hmm. that you would probably not do for milk. No. Um, and and just yeah, that, that's interesting, right? That they've developed <laughs> these rituals. If you've ever been to a winery, which we have plenty of around here, <laughs> one or two, right? One or two wineries <laughs> that they take you through the process on how to smell it, how to mm-hmm. drink it, how to swirl it, how to hold it. Yes, to watch the the watch it drip from the side to you see, the, see how the long the legs are, yeah. the viscosity, and how much alcohol is in it by doing right. That. And you, you, and for those of you out there that are still drinking, if you want to look sophisticated while holding a wine glass, you hold it by the stem, mm. not the goblet. In case you because <laughs> didn't know that. If you did not know that. <laughs> so we swirl with the glass on the table 
between the middle and forefinger like this mm -hmm. and you back and forth just gently to get it swirling. Mm. So if you think I don't have experience with these things, Keep going. Don't you stop. are wrong. Don't stop. Keep talking like that. <laughs> and there is no, uh, any amount of alcohol is poison. That is the last point I want to talk about before we get into the step process. She yes. talks about any kind is poisonous. Is it scotch? Yes. Is it poisonous? Yes. Beer? Yes. Uh, hard seltzer. And, um, and why do they say that? Because people who drink a lot, compared to people who drink a little, mm -hmm. have the same increase in cancer rates. Right. Um, I, I, you know, though, I mean, that's all well and good, and I agree with it and everything, but people do a lot of things that are not good for them. Plus, right? it's Friday, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah. Let's just let's continue this at the bar. Um, but, you know, people eat fucking bacon you know like people do all kinds of shit that's not good for them so like i get that argument and i'm and i'm okay with that i think there are even better arguments though why sure. you shouldn't be drinking but but yes absolutely so I mean, these poison are the, poison poison agreed right. and these are some of the things the reason i wrote them down is because they jumped out to me the first few times i read this yes um and um Life expectancy, even drinking a little bit every day, reduces by 12%. Mm -hmm. And those are long-term studies that it's not just somebody with a shitty opinion about something that you thought was good for you. Right. So she has a step process, Mike. Uh, and this step process is designed to get one to the place where they are no longer dependent on alcohol and do not even desire alcohol. Right, because right? she presents all this great information, but how right. the hell do you incorporate this? Yes, because you can read it. I mean, and... It I mean, I don't know. And everybody uses steps. Steps is a thing that started a long, long time ago. 1930 <laughs> something, right? Yeah. But even before AA, we had the, um, the group, the Oxford, group, oh, the Oxford where group. it came from and all the drunks from the Oxford, and they had a four or six step program. I forget. I think they had a six step. Strange diversion for one second. I read something uh, in a recovery group this week that I did not know. And it's, I probably should have known this. Wait, there's something you don't know. <laughs> Believe it or not. Oh my God. Uh, did you know that on his deathbed, Bill W., for the last two days of his life, uh. was demanding scotch? You know, I'm, I don't <laughs> like this characterization of a man on his deathbed. <laughs> you know. I mean, he was dying. He, yeah, so what? Yeah. I've heard people say that before. You've never, you never heard that? I never heard that. Listen, for me, it does not diminish. And they wouldn't give it to him. It doesn't diminish the message. No, no, I'm not suggesting that it does. What I, what I, what I am suggesting yep. is that maybe they should have given it to him. I agree. Why not? Why the f not? You know, <laughs> Bill, you deserve to have a drink already, would you? <laughs> no, but it's a principal thing, and a lot of AAs, um, you know, really hang on to this idea that I'm going to die sober. Why they're so right. focused on the day of their death? Not Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me some scotch, goddamn! Didn't I do enough? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a mistake to deify Bill, and he he felt that way too. In fact, it is well documented that he was uncomfortable with any kind of deification of his uh, person, right. and uh, he's quoted a lot in saying that. So he well, was good, perfect. <laughs> you, know, you know, he seems like a, a really interesting, thoughtful human being. He is. You know. In fact, I really want to uh, go through Bill's story. On one of these episodes. Yeah, let's do that. Let's because, read a good biography and, and lay it all out there. You know, well, but Bill's story, since you're not an AA, you probably don't know what I mean by that. At the beginning of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says Bill's story. And it's his like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's right. So mm -hmm. it's not a huge book, but we can... It's a really great but that's entree. Like, what, do they, what do they call it? Hagiography? kind of thing where it's, where it's like presented in the best possible light. It's not. It presents him as an alcoholic who keeps cheating, who keeps failing. Yeah, but and eventually, eventually he 
through the success of creating the program, yeah. you know, we, we should read it. It's, yeah. it's not long. And it's even for someone like me who isn't like a super AA person, I always got a lot out of that story. Not everybody does because of the antiquated language he uses and right. things like that. And, but I think it's great. And if you okay. haven't read it, I think this will be good. Well, for I us. read it. I just read it in 1995. Right. Um, in any case, and I can't find my big book in any event. So I've got, I was several. looking for it the other day. I've got a few with highlights. The, I, every time I get a big book <laughs> at a rehab, man, all I did the whole time was sit there reading, highlighting. Uh-huh. So I have several big books. One of them got signed by, um, one time I went to an AA meeting in town and, um, it was on one of my runs where I was, you know, going there. I had a sponsor, I knew mm-hmm. people, but then I would go out and then I'd come <laughs> back and I'd go out and I'd come back and it was a countdown night, which they do. I think they do it on anniversary nights, which is monthly where they say, okay, the guy at the front says, how many people have... Oh, uh, yes. 60 mm-hmm. years, right? And the guys with the most. So then who's got 24 hours or something? And then it was me because I had just had a drink the day before. Right. And this is a huge room full. It's the Episcopal Church down there. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was filled up. Just me sitting in the back. And there's this guy named Red something or other. He's a local legend. He started the group at the Episcopal Church. Like mm. He's been there for like 50 years. Really? Yes. And um, so he's a local celebrity. And I mean, I've, I never met him before. And I raised my hand. I was the only one with 24 hours. The whole place erupts in cheers. Uh, I walk all the way around that huge room up mm-hmm. to the front of this room. People ah, cheering like crazy. Right. This old man, this old like legend of AA, you know, what's your name, son? And I said, uh, you know, Nat. And he signed it. And, you know, he <laughs> gave you his autograph. He did. Yes, he <laughs> did, man. I will bring that up. Okay. And so... That stuff like that I loved about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people hanging on to, man. How great the, um, if you can, look, people are messy in general. No matter where you go, you're going to have all kinds of crap, but we got to look for the good stuff, right? Absolutely. And so, um, but I digress. Yeah, no, I digressed. I apologize. Step one, she writes, is awareness. Awareness. Well, Let's in order for change to, to occur, you have to be aware that you have a problem, right? right. I think everyone agrees with that. Which is interesting because a few weeks ago, you may recall we discussed uh, smart recovery yeah. and they had the awareness portion broken out into a bunch of sub things like pre-awareness, mm-hmm. awareness, action awareness, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So she's just saying that, you know, this is taken from her website, by the way. It's, it yeah. is. Um, so this is the process. And she writes uh, this clip here. She writes, in order for any change to occur, you must be aware that there is an issue of some sort. Mm-hmm. None of us change because we're perfectly happy with the way things have been going. Awareness is not about judgment, though. It's hard to move forward when you're beginning from a negative standpoint. Instead, look at this situation objectively and ask yourself, what steps of change can I make that would... Make me happier long term. So um, after awareness, I guess we get to step two. Desire. Yes. The desire. You have to, you can't force change, right? Um, maybe. I mean. You can't force a person. You can't bring a horse to, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him not drink. I mean, the police can always force you to change your behavior. They sure can. And, and the courts can force you to change your behavior, but it won't stick. Unless you desire it from inside well, of you. Yeah, the, the court and Johnny Law's um, attempts to curtail my behavior didn't really, wasn't successful initially. No. Right. It took a lot more. Only a true desire for change will pave the path to success, says Annie Grace. Um, 
but sometimes we're not even conscious of our desire to change. She has had many readers tell her that they had no intention to stop drinking when they started reading the book, Mm. yet here they are months or years later and still alcohol-free. So even if you aren't sure of your desire, you should take the time to research the change and see if it sparks something within you. Mm. Would that be the sober curious? I would have to say that you must have some desire to change your behavior if you are, in fact, reading this naked mind, right? Which is subtitle is like uh, change the way you drink or something <laughs> along those lines. Like, I mean, nobody's reading that book because they feel like everything's going like hunky dory, right? That's yeah, pretty pretty true. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can't. Uh, so I think, it's like those those uh, those surveys. It's like that. If find out if you're an alcoholic by taking the survey. And right. It's like if you're taking this survey, you're <laughs> fucking alcoholic. Exactly. Like, right? Every time, of course. Uh, you know, nobody takes those unless they, they already got a problem. So I would think that awareness and desire are probably already present, whether they're at the conscious level or the unconscious level, before you even start picking up a book like Annie Grace or subscribing to a podcast called Recovery in the Middle Ages. Right. right? Well, subconscious is almost everything to her. I mean, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of this book is about the subconscious manipulation. And, and by the very definition of the word subconscious is you have no conscious control over it. Yes. So if something is consciously... Sorry, subconsciously controlling, you know, your behavior, then, you know, you have to change other things. I mean, maybe that's why she uses the word liminal every other sentence, like Mm -hmm. in between, on the side, like away from, you know, you have to do things around your subconscious to change it. Right. Like in order to change your subconscious, you, if you, you can't do that consciously, but you can change your stimuli Mm -hmm. You can change, you know, your experiences by what you do. We're just being, we're just developing awareness of what's in your subconscious or what your internalized beliefs are. Sure. And I guess that's a lot of what psychotherapy is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe like, you know, get to that thing. I always had psychiatrists, uh, therapists tell me that there's something that happened to you. Yes. Um, which may or may not be true. I'm just, you know, it's a sliding scale. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when my, uh, my dad told me that I shouldn't try and be a rock star because I would never make it. Was that just good advice or was he crushing my dreams? He was crushing your dreams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude. Like, that's a fine line. It's funny. I went to a, uh, just another little aside. I went to a, um, I was going to become an audio engineer like years ago. Really? I had I wandered into, and I, I was very Did you go to much of a drunk at, at this oh, point, <laughs> but I walked into this um, company they used to advertise in the back of the Village Voice in Manhattan called the Institute of Audio Research. And their program was like $7,000. So right. I didn't have, and I didn't have like 50 cents to take the subway down there. But anyway, so I'm in there, I'm sitting in the, and uh, I, I had a band at the time and the guy was like, um, you know, oh, you know, thanks for being interested in the program and everything. Where do you see yourself five years from now? And I said, on stage at Madison Square Garden. And he goes, you don't really think that's going to happen, do you? And I was like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like way to is. crush my dreams, you know, because he, he, he wanted me to become an audio engineer and pay him $7,000. Right? Yeah. He did not want me to continue my quixotic quest to become like right. the worst guitar player to ever achieve fame and fortune. <laughs> so um, I think yeah, that was but, Kurt Cobain. So I don't know. Did that it. trauma affect me? Did it keep me out for years and years? I don't <laughs> I don't know. Maybe our, our maybe lives, I wasn't young enough. I don't know. Maybe growing up is just a collection of traumas that we navigate. You know, and <laughs> trauma and disappointment, <laughs> right? Stacked on disappointment. I always say that you know how many uh, you learn more from failure than you do from success. But if that were really uh, true, I would be the most successful person, <laughs> or certainly the most knowledgeable. <laughs> at least, <right>? at least. <laughs> 
right. not successful. So after you have, um, you know, figured out your desire or mastered your desire, how about that? Can you master your desire to quit? I mean, I feel like that's what, you know, once you get that inkling that like, I got to get out of this, mm. you know, and I've, I had a lot of those realizations before it actually stuck, mm-hmm. um, you know, that like, oh my God, I can't do this another day. Not one more day, not one more minute. What is that saying? Not one more day, not one more week, never, ever again. And, and yet every other, and yet every day it was the same thing again. Yeah. Because when you think it about wasn't. it, right. Ultimately the answer to stopping is to stop. <laughs> you know, put the plug in the jug. It's very, it's a very simple remedy <laughs> when you get down to it, right? You know, easier done than said, or something. Something, and then which brings us to empowerment, does it? So, do you need power? You Much need like no- a flashlight needs batteries. Knowledge is power. The recovered alcoholic needs knowledge. That's right. Some refer to this step as knowledge, but I prefer empowerment. Says Annie Grace. Um. Empower yourself by how? Learning everything you can about the change you desire. Such as by reading the book, The Snaked Mind by Annie Grace. Yeah. Available through our web. Amazon affiliate link. What? What? And boy, do we have a show for you. (laughs) What do you desire the outcome to be of making the change? Oh, you got to know. You have to visualize your life without it. Mm -hmm. That's Um, very hard to do. It is, but it's the the longer I live and the more I figure out how I can be happy, you know, the better I get at it. But did you ever, did you ever, when you were like wretchedly hung over and feeling mm-hmm. awful and doing something normal, like going to the zoo, did you ever say to yourself, man, I so wish I wasn't hung over right now because I really wish I could experience this differently. I used to say that to myself all the oh, time. Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. When you're, um, man, when I was walking around dope sick on vacation in Montauk a yeah. long, long ass time ago, but I just remember like, Oh, this would be so great walking around this beautiful beach town, mm-hmm. you know, and all I'm sweating and I'm yeah. thinking how the whole, how am I going to get my guy to drive out to Montauk? Right. And, you know what yeah. I mean? And that is like definitely getting in the way of you experiencing the ocean and the seabirds and all the other great stuff. The end know? of that story is I did get him to drive out. Yeah. It cost a little extra, but I mean, that's a nightmare. <laughs> I just do anything with money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, but I mean, it's, that's where it, was it take, like the, took when, me. When I was a kid, it was the reverse, right? Because I don't know if you remember going to the Hayden Planetarium yes. in the city because they had Pink Floyd laser shows back in the 80s and Whoa. Led Zeppelin laser shows. I didn't go for that, but... Yeah, you'd go there and, and it would so be cool. like a, a whole bunch of just burnouts, like hanging out high and drunk and watching lasers while they blasted Pink Floyd <laughs> through the sound system. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> it sounds amazing. But, you know, you'd go there and you'd be like, oh, I'm not high enough. I'm not high enough. I, this would be so much better, better if, if I, I was a high. little more high you know or if i couldn't get weed it's like i wish i was high and then you fast forward that to the end of your drinking and drugging career and it's like this would be so much better if i wasn't high right i mean and then you experience it too like if you if you stop drinking using long enough and then you finally do get to do something where you used to drink to have fun and then Mm -hmm. you're like oh wow yeah you know one thing i didn't really continue doing after drinking was watching sports (laughs) (laughs) i really thought i like loved watching sports (laughs) and it turns out i was sadly mistaken you just love drinking beer i did (laughs) i did i will admit that i love drinking beer more than um all of those the men in tights i did watch that football game last weekend not, not the Bills, the other one. The uh, 
um, yeah, I can't think of the names. Kansas City and um, Green Bay. Yeah, or was it? Yeah, it was Tampa basically Bay the, uh, Bay. the Tampa Bay Patriots. Right? <laughs> Tampa Versus Bay the, Pats. Yeah, that and, was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, the first time I watched a football game in probably five years. Yeah, all the way through. Just I can't get into it. Um, and plus, my family doesn't watch it. So if yeah, my wife yeah. and kids aren't interested. I can't watch it. Right. Um, so you, you learn, you get more powerful, and you know, it's look. It's three steps, but it's a simple. It's simply laid out, but it is not simple to achieve. I mean, just like anything when it comes to addiction and recovery, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of introspection, a lot of hard work on your part. And and I think it's very difficult to get clean, stay clean without some community support, um, which is mm. why um, it's so important that you engage, especially now when there aren't, it's not so easy to just go to a meeting um, or maybe it's easier, you know, you go to in the rooms.com is a free, uh, no affiliation with us, but they have lots of free 12 step meetings. So you need a meeting, you know, come on to Facebook has a lot of pri- private groups and podcasts you can listen to. And there's so much knowledge out there. There's really no excuse for you to be uneducated or miseducated on this issue. There is nothing standing in anyone's way right now, except your own stupid face. So stop stuffing it with drugs, drugs. and alcohol. <laughs> Stop eating those drugs. Yeah. You're, um, what? if you want a meeting that's not an AA meeting, those are online too. You can find smart recovery meetings online. Yeah. There's plenty of support out there, guys. Yeah. And and even if, you, if, if you're just comfortable talking with us or whatever, come on the Facebook group and- Send us a, a message yeah. over the message thing. If Facebook. nothing else, we'll tell you not to give up, but- Right. Because yeah. we're not, you know- I am not a doctor. Yeah, we can't. Not a doctor, but please, please folks. So, um, and then she follow, she finishes by, uh, saying, no, now go forth and read, listen, and watch everything you can about making the change you see. Sort of what I just said, Mm -hmm. find medical studies, success stories, support groups, fill your toolbox with every resource available that can empower you to change. And I think that's just says it all right there. Fill that toolbox. Yeah. Fill it. Fill it. Fill the tool. Fill it with tools. And um, so this is, uh, I think we're going to wrap up her talk. Yeah. Um, right Thank now. you, Annie, for saving so many people from alcoholism who just could not uh, get their heads around AA, but yeah. found this method to be, you know, some a, a good way to do it. I count myself among them. I am greatly appreciative of of her bringing this into existence. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to make this offer right now to our listeners. If anybody out there for some reason cannot afford, um, a copy of this naked mind, I will Nat ship will, you one. Nat will ship you one. I will get you one. <laughs> I promise. No, I, I, and I'll do the same. Yeah. But well, he'll but send you an invoice. I, yeah. No, you're going to send know. an invoice for billable you, hours or something. We will, we both won't <laughs> send you a book cause then you would have two books <laughs> right. and you don't need two books. <laughs> Or if we send you two books, you could give one to a friend. Yeah, it'll be a lot like sending a message to our Facebook account where both of us will answer you like it's the first time we've <laughs> responded and it's completely confusing. Well, it's a, it always messes me up when somebody like, well, if I put up a meme and then I see it's liked by uh, Recovering the Middle Ages and I'm like, I liked my own meme. When did no, I do it? Was it you. was me yeah. liking it. <laughs> right. Um, so that, my friends, is and Annie Grace's This Naked Mind. Yay. <laughs> nope, wrong one. <laughs> Yes, and that brings us to Recovering the News. Yeah. 
So uh, this week's recovery in the news brings us to the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. Uh, That would be the city of Philadelphia, where a story in this week's uh, Philadelphia Inquirer uh, brings us to the point uh, of concern about what's in your drugs. Um, The title of the article is, As Overdoses Rise, Philly Health Officials Warn About Press Pills, which are fake painkillers laced with fentanyl. Um, so apparently, and, and I, I get the sense this is not unique to the Philadelphia area, although it seems to be a big issue there lately. Mm. Um, yeah, we had that on Long Island. I saw some stories. Yeah, people who, are, who have these pill presses have been pressing things that look like oxys, but they're actually just full of fentanyl. Yeah, you uh, figure if it's a pill like you see in a bottle and it has the mark on it, it should be... Yeah, um, but it's not. It'll kill you. Um, increasingly, illicit fentanyl, which has first turned up in the city's heroin supply, can now be found in Philadelphia in pill form. Drugs that look as though they came from a pharmacy, but in reality are composed of fentanyl or other adulterants, pressed into the shape of an opioid painkiller or an anti-anxiety drug like Xanax, cheap to produce and can can turn a high profit for dealers. Mm. And and then they go on to like sort of trace through uh, the fentanyl problem and note that the it's being it's turning up in cocaine and methamphetamines Mm. and hallucinogens like pcp which of course puts people with no tolerance for opioids at a higher risk of having imagine they're ruining cocaine with fentanyl i mean i would be scared to do drugs these days like not knowing what i'm getting you know and i never bought drugs from like i never had the connections to get good drugs i would i was always in some bar and fucking dj booth or something around in the street kids turn up um at uh at rehabs um, who thought they were addicted to cocaine and then they don't since they didn't know they were taking fentanyl all this time mm. they thought they were just coke heads and then they go into withdrawal from opioids you know a few days into uh, rehab and they're like what the hell yeah they test their piss and they see that happened to me a couple of times really um, where I was I didn't I wasn't involved in opiates for a long time I was just <laughs> doing coke and um, drinking but um, I had fentanyl in my system I'm like Really? <laughs> no idea. Not not intentionally. I, not at no. You know, and, and but nobody. Well, and that's not true that nobody wants it intentionally. There are addicts well, out there that are used to fentanyl now. This guy and that they, they interviewed in here says um, said that he stopped buying any kind of pills years ago because between the fentanyl and other stuff. They were unpredictable. So he just said it's safer to buy regular fentanyl because you know what you're getting. So now he's <laughs> you know, just going looking for fentanyl. Um, you know, something that was sad in here was this guy named Jay, they interviewed, said he primarily used heroin and meth and sometimes tests his meth for fentanyl. And he was asked by the reporter how he keeps himself safe from overdose. He replied, what's safe? I don't even know what that means. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's really kind of... So, I guess the uh, moral of the story is don't do... Drugs? <laughs> drugs is the moral of the story. <laughs> or, or if you're going to do them, uh, I don't know, fentanyl test kit? Something. Fentanyl test kit, if, you, if we're looking to just stay safe, you know, yeah. um, and you or can't just, stop. Yeah. And you won't stop. Just remember that everything out there is probably fentanyl. And right? you'll die. Right. And on that note, that's, that's it. As we slide into the past with our this week's recovery in the yes, news. Got the old 80s fade out. And for we discuss this week in weird. Yes. Family plagued by haunted baby carriage. Um, where did it go? <laughs> 
It has disappeared. Shit. What happened uh, to the haunted baby carriage? Is Matt? it on your page? It is not. God damn it. Uh, haunted baby carriage. Maybe if I just keep saying haunted baby carriage. Wow. So, in this story, um, wait, 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 guys. This is the dead air that we've been warned about. Is there any way we can cut this part? Out? Oh no, this is oh, compelling radio. All right, all right, all right, all right. This week in weird. Where is it? It's gone. Coast to coast AM. Article, Missing Mississippi Family Plagued by Haunted Baby Carriage. Yes, yes, damn it. Why, you know, I've been so distracted today, and um, I'm finding it, I'm finding it. Everybody. We just lost everybody. Nah, if we lost him, we lost him an hour ago. Ah, found it. A family in Mississippi claims that their home was been, was been plagued. Oh, God, this is awful. I mean, that's what it says. Great editing. A family in Mississippi claims that their home was been plagued with unsettling paranormal activity huh? ever since they received a vintage baby carriage, which they now think is haunted for Christmas. According to a local media report, the eerie antique was a gift that Whitney Merritt's daughter had gotten this past holiday season. Shortly after... Her, the carriage was brought into their home, however. Weird events began to take place, beginning with an inexplicable knocking sound, which occurred over the course of a few days and soon turned into a series of booming thuds. Wow. Heard a few nights later, there is a picture uh, in the link. Oh, that's which the Haunted Baby Carriage. That's the Haunted Baby It carriage. looks like a pram, like so, an old-timey pram. Yeah, check the show do they, notes. Do they actually have a baby? <laughs> it doesn't say. It doesn't because I mean <laughs> that would be weird. I think we need. <laughs> I think this requires more investigation. Yeah, we gotta get we gotta get a reporter on it. So read more on Coast to Coast AM where we get our paranormal news and check the show notes. That's this week in a comedy of errors recovery in the Middle Ages. And that is the show, folks. A short one this week. Um, it was, well, what are we up to? 53 minutes. Really? Yeah. I think it was partially because all the dead air. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know what? We don't have to, uh, not every week do we need a long one, right? Right. That's what my wife says. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Tweet us at twat you twit. Follow us on Instagram, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever great podcasts are sold. Please rate, review, su subscribe, and um, great reviews will be read on the air. Um, also, uh, go to middleagesrecovery.com and submit your story for a new segment called your story. Um, also, this is our old new segment that no one ever sends <laughs> yes, us a story. A brand about. new segment that has never come to fruition. There's a lot of people that this is supposed to be social media people. We need like interactive, yeah. you know, feedback, all that shit. I think it makes just, us better at what we do. I know. I know. It's just, I'm they're not complaining out there. to you. You know that. I know. Already. I know. I just, I, it's so cool that people are listening. We just need more of you. So please share this with a friend um, and give me a question for Sergeant Slaughter, our uh, resident um, alcoholic cop. Um, send us an email <laughs> at resident alcoholic at, at middleagesrecovery.com. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Profit. Uh, wait. Profit. <laughs> I'm thinking of Wall Profit. Street. Profits, not perfection. Uh, progress, not perfection. See you next week, guys. Be good.
Thank you.